Welcome to the Chronicle on Riot Radio. This is our last show of the year and our last show ever. I'm your host, Aiden Callan-McDonald, and Taylor Gilbert will be by later with the weather. Coming up, you think you've had it rough being on Zoom all semester? Try being a senior. We'll find out how they're managing. And the Ontario Tech men's basketball players are lacing up their sneakers and hitting the hardwood for the first time in quite a while. And Taylor sits down with Colin Smith of 3Hive to talk about the sweet side of social innovation. But first, some Durham College students have already been offered the COVID-19 vaccine. Durham Region Public Health says students enrolled in healthcare related fields were among those recently offered the vaccination. Julia Sandy has more. Sarah LeBlanc is a first-year dental hygiene student and among the first to receive the vaccine. She made the decision to get it after hearing from her program coordinator who told students they were now eligible. LeBlanc says she was told that she didn't have to receive the vaccine, but it was strongly advised. And according to Durham Region Public Health, the vaccine was offered to ensure students would be safe in classroom and at in-person placement in the future. Students in nursing, dental hygiene, and police foundations are all eligible. LeBlanc says almost half of her program opted to receive the vaccine. Durham Region is still currently facing a vaccine shortage, but for now is offering the Pfizer vaccine to its residents. For more information about the vaccine rollout, visit health.gov.on.ca. In Oshawa, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Julia Sandy. Meanwhile, as some seniors wait for their vaccines, the City of Oshawa's senior community centers are continuing to help older adults to overcome the negative impacts of social isolation during the pandemic. Since March of last year, seniors have been able to attend day programs over Zoom, access tablets, and get the extra supports to feel less lonely and a bit more tech savvy. Stephanie LeCart has more. Oshawa Senior Community Centers returned to in-person adult day programs in mid-February. But there have been changes. For example, no one gets their own dice or cards, they sit socially distanced, and there's a lot of disinfecting going on. But we've been able to adapt. The staff are so creative. They're able to adapt almost every activity we've done before. We play Xbox bowling. There's no device that they have to hold. They just have to stand on this, the X and they can play, right? There's no touching. So it's, it's a great game too. The bowling that we've done on the TV, have you tried that? Oh yeah, I got two strikes and it's bear. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I look forward to it very much. Yeah, and I love all the people there. They're all beautiful, nice people. And I try to encourage the ones that don't want to. I say, get up, come on, come on, do it. You can do it. However, not all members can attend due to barriers, such as transportation, their health, and their own comfort level. We have to keep all these things uh, in mind and, you know, how do we reach these seniors? So again, digital technology is great if someone knows how to use it or has access to it, but if not, then they are relying on, um, you know, the Oshawa Senior Community Center to bring an activity to them um, and bring these ideas to them. The OSCC 55 Plus has been providing this support through calls, programs held on Zoom, grocery deliveries, and care packages. Also lending out tablets to members who don't have one, and front porch, written, 
or phone call instructions to those who need them. On the settings, I'll say, turn on your video, like to remind them because their video's not on and, and then they, they do it and then they see us and their light, their eyes light up. They're just so excited. And these are clients that live on their own. They are over 75, it's 55 and over, but some of these clients that are able to connect with their technology is amazing. Maza says the virtual day program has been a success and attendance continues to climb. The OSCC 55 plus plans to keep it as a permanent fixture post pandemic. In Hampton, reporting for the Chronicle, I'm Stephanie LaCarte. Also related to the pandemic, it can take up to two years for Durham College to create a new program, but one new program took only about four months to get off the ground. Andrea Iman has more on a new accelerated and free personal support worker program. Durham College has been planning for the new PSW program since the late fall. That's when the provincial government announced it would set aside $115 million to fund the program at colleges across Ontario. To get the program ready for students, Durham College faced a few challenges. Among them, how to create an accelerated six-month program when the regular one takes eight months to complete. How are we going to train, give the students the same amount of training in a shorter period of time? Are there certain elements that can be removed from the curriculum? Missions only opened at the beginning of March and already the intakes for April, May and June are full. These are the only times the course will be offered. The accelerated program will not be continued after that. In total, 300 people have applied, but there are only 108 spots. The students will start working in long-term care facilities just three months into the program. I'm pretty proud that we are being able to offer this program and provide, um, you know, learners, potential students with this opportunity. And um, then, of course, supplying the need that is, uh, you know, the, the backbone of long-term care centers are our PSWs. The new program will not replace the current program. The eighth-month program costs just over $2,700. The course will be taught by current PSW staff. College is also in the process of hiring about three new professors, according to POP. In Oshawa, recording for The Chronicle, I'm Andrea Iman. For the first time in more than 60 days, the sounds of varsity sports are once again filling the halls of the Campus Recreation and Wellness Center. Sean McLeod has a story. Time expires, and the Voyagers come all the way back to win this one, 85-75, the final. Laurentian improves to 15-5 on the season. The Ridgebacks fall to 1-19. It's been over a year without athletics on campus. Now, after a second province-wide lockdown, athletes are returning to the gym to train. Uh, it feels good. It feels, uh, everything's starting to feel back to normal now. Throughout the first lockdown, teams mostly used Zoom to keep in contact. But this time, they were used for a lot more. Keeping people engaged until they were back on campus. This meant team meetings, game nights, and even workouts made their way to the online platform. Yeah, so we had uh, every Sunday, you know, coach made sure that we would meet on Zoom uh, 8 p.m. So that was like our, our weekly check-in. Um, in terms of workouts, we had our um, like our weight training sessions on Zoom. Athletes who come to campus have their temperature taken and are asked a series of questions about potential exposure to COVID-19, 
and they're expected to keep a safe distance and wear a mask at all times. But for athletes like Durham's Cassidy Nicholson-Clark, these practices mean the world. Especially it being my last year, I like this is something I really wanted to do. So just to be able to go back and like play volleyball, even if it's only for an hour and a half once a week or twice a week, and it's not as exciting as it would would have been during normal season, it just it's just really good to be back in the gym. Athletes on campus have found ways to adapt and stay positive during the pandemic, but with no exhibition games on the horizon, it may be a while before they see an official game again. In Hastings, reporting for the Chronicle. I'm Sean McLeod. Coming up, competitions abound at Durham College. We'll find out about the duo who won a recent marketing competition after almost not signing up. And in just a few minutes, we'll get the buzz about the bees. We promise it's the bees news. A team of Durham College students is trying to save bees and humans. Three Hive is a clothing line aimed at saving bees and their homes. Colin Smith is one of the founders and a member of Enactus DC. Enactus uses entrepreneurship to help young people provide solutions to economic, social, and environmental problems. Taylor Gilbert sat down with Smith to talk about why bee issues are also human issues. Thanks for joining us today, Colin. Oh, thank you for having me, Taylor. Can you explain to those who may not be familiar what Enactus Durham College is all about? So what Enactus Durham College is, or, or what an, to start, what Enactus is, is Enactus is an organization that has placed themselves in schools over 37 countries. So Enactus itself is worldwide. Um, they're in um, post-secondary schools, colleges, universities all over the world. And basically what, what it strives to do is Enactus lets students create their own projects. Um, usually businesses in nature, whether they're for-profit businesses, non-profit businesses, it doesn't really matter what the model is, as long as the business hits one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So can you tell us about your specific project? Yeah, of course. So the project that I'm a co-founder of and the project that I'm you know, a project lead of is called uh, Three Hive, Project Three Hive. And what Project Three Hive is, is it's an apparel brand, but it's an apparel brand um, with a, a bit of a different focus rather than just providing clothes for people. Our focus is with combating habitat loss um, for pollinators. So um, mainly bees, but you know, other pollinators get thrown in the mix there, butterflies, moths, hummingbirds, all of those things as well. But mainly three hive is, is bee centric, focused around bees. One of my next questions was, is there anything people can do uh, in their everyday lives that can help? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, a, a, a few, probably the biggest thing you can do um, for people that are gardeners or even for people that aren't gardeners are when you're looking at planting new plants, try to keep your plants native to Ontario. Because kind of, you know, how it works is, you know, evolution, right? These flowers have evolved over time to be reliant on bees. And bees have evolved over time to be reliant on flowers. That's just the biology of things, right? So when you take a specific type of flower out of the mix, that becomes detrimental to the bee population. And then kind of when you backpedal there and you realize that 2% of the bees actually pollinate 80% of our food source, that's when you realize that even a, a tiny decline in the bee population is really significant. So you can, you can combat that by planting native Ontario wildflowers. Another thing you can do, which is a bit less desirable, 
um, but highly effective is to not keep a manicured front lawn. So bees and, and, and other creatures, they like the grass to be long. You know, grass isn't native to Canada. So that's another kind of um, stake in, in the natural biodiversity of our country. Um, grass has been brought in from other places. Um, so when you, when you keep it manicured, it, it, it doesn't provide a good enough ecosystem for bees to live in. And it's not just bees, it's all you know, other, other bugs and pollinators too, but to not keep a manicured lawn and to plant wildflowers and, and not pull all of your weeds are probably some of the three biggest things you can do to positively impact the pollinator population locally. So you've kind of already touched on it, but why is the decline so concerning to humans? Yeah, well, there's, there's actually, there's multiple reasons why the decline is so concerning. Um, I'll touch on a few of them now. The first one being obviously what's near and dear to our hearts is our food source, right? So um, the way that this works, the way nature and biology works is, is it's almost a, a, a cycle. Right. So every, you know, when we talk about the food chain, right, you know, even as kids, everything plays a part in the life of another thing. So these bees pollinate 80% of our food source. So do human beings have the ability to self pollinate? Yeah, we could if the bees all, all, all died. But what, what happens there is, okay, now you have to pay humans, right? Or now you have to invest in machines to do it, which means your apple, when you go to the grocery store, that cost you 80 cents to buy might end up costing you $3 to buy because now there's so much more money being pumped into, into the actual agricultural industry, supply and demand, right? The demand is staying the same, but the supply is going down. So it just, it creates a rift in, in, in not just the food we get on our table, but also the economy. I think I, I, um, I read a stat that said, bees contributed like $19 trillion to the US economy in 2019. So when you look at all of the exporting of, of, of goods that come from pollinators, right? All the food, all the candles, the beeswax, the honey, right? That's a big chunk of money that the world would be missing if pollinators didn't exist. So, you know, that's probably one of the, 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 the biggest things, you know, then again, it's just a natural cycle of things. So then, you know, I, and I don't even know the answer to this, but what happens when all of the native uh, Ontario wildflowers die, right? Then that brings up a, a, whole, a whole new problem um, when, when you look at our air quality, you know, the air that we breathe, and then all of the other creatures that rely on those flowers as well. Because even though bees are the main pollinators, you still have moths, you still have hummingbirds, you still have butterflies, bats are pollinators as well. So all of those other pollinators will be greatly affected by that too. It kind of creates, I mean, this is no pun intended, but it creates a butterfly effect, which is something that, you know, at Three Hive, we don't want to test. Can you tell me about some of the partnerships you formed through this project? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, um, right now, we actually just, we formed a partnership with the University of Galway. Um, in Ireland, and we actually hosted a workshop um, with our with our friends over there in Ireland, all about um, running pollinator events and all about the importance of pollinators. So that's a that's a, a really cool partnership that we have um, because we are a global apparel brand, and we actually have a partnership with the city of Oshawa as well. Um, I I can't really talk about too much of that just 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 because of of the nature of things, but we will be um, looking at impacting you know. The citizens of Oshawa directly. And where can people go to find out more about about Three Hive? So 
So yeah, we have um, our Instagram account is probably the best way to find us. Um, our handle is just three hive and that's spelt the number three E E H I V E. It's almost like the word beehive, but with a three instead of a B. And then for our website, it's threehive.buzz. So that's again, um, the number three E E H I V E dot B U Z Z. Okay, great. Thanks so much for your time today, Colin. Thank you, Taylor. That was Colin Smith of three hive. Later in the show, we'll share the full video from Colin and Anactus that goes into even more detail on the Three Hive project. Many students at Durham College are finishing the final semester of their programs. For some, this involves a field placement. For one music business management student, that placement has taken her to one of Canada's biggest music labels. Andrea Bukovich is currently a marketing intern for Warner Music Canada. She's enjoying it, but like many others, she's working from home, which means she's not getting the full experience. But when you think of the music industry, you think of going to shows and right, like meet and greets and all that. So that year, like this year, that's definitely missing. Growing up, her mother took her to small live concerts where she felt a sense of community. Those experiences inspired her interest in Canadian music. Although Bukovic liked going to concerts, she didn't see herself doing anything in the music industry. She says her high school pushed science and math. However, Bukovic decided to go with her passion. She applied for eight programs, only one of which was music. After visiting Durham College, her mind was made up. It was just great to be on campus and ask those questions and I eventually ended up turning down all those psychology ones and just going for my passion. Bukovic hopes to stay in the marketing side of music once she graduates this June. A pair of marketing students has won the annual Durham College marketing competition, even though they almost missed the opportunity. Brooks Armstrong has more on them and the effort to host the competition virtually last month. There were no problems with traffic or parking getting to the Durham College's marketing competition this year. Instead of taking place on campus, it was held on Microsoft Teams to adapt to a virtual environment. The annual event was open to any students who wanted to develop and show off their marketing skills. So anybody could do it. And in fact, we opened it up so that it's not just marketing students or people in the marketing program. Participants had 30 minutes to prepare a presentation based on a case study. Friends, family, and spectators joined to watch the outcome to see who would win. A lot of organizing went into the event to make it virtually possible. Two students took charge from start to finish. So yeah, we created content. We set up meetings with the professors to go to their classes, to pitch to their classes about actually joining the competition. Promoting the competition was one of the first tasks. Not easy to do in a virtual environment, but it worked. Had about 26 students participating. And even though this was a virtual event, uh, we managed to get the same, uh, same show up, same outcome as uh, the previous in-person events. 13 teams of two completed the case study. A panel of judges scored each duel based on presentation and critical thinking. This was an opportunity newcomers wanted to conquer. It was, it was an exciting opportunity. Um, I thought, uh, you know, why don't we just put ourselves to the test? Uh, nothing to lose, but there's something to gain. So we just uh, gave it a go. The duo, both marketing students at Durham College, initially 
didn't even want to participate. Mariama taught me to have faith in yourself. You never know what you can do unless you try. So. Both Ahmed and Kuzenko didn't expect to win, but they were grateful to take home the trophy and cash prize of $300 split between the partners. In Brooklyn, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Brooks Armstrong. This year, Durham College celebrated International Women's Day, virtually of course, with a list of notable nominees. One of them was Nancy Shaw, the CEO of the Greater Oshawa Chamber of Commerce. Nicole Fisher asked her about how the Chamber supports women in business. Nancy Shaw has noticed a new trend developing around women in business. She says while there aren't many female-owned businesses in Durham, she does see partnerships becoming increasingly common. What I do see is a lot of partnerships with their spouses. You know, we have uh, Durham Medical, it's a husband and wife team. We have Remax Jazz, husband and wife team. The Chamber holds women in business conferences multiple times a year that attract about 50 to 60 participants each time. The conferences still take place, although now virtually, and give attendees a chance to connect with guest speakers. We have guest speakers. Uh, we do interactive exercises so that they can really have strong networking, women to women, peer to peer, and be able to learn from one another. Shaw encourages businesswomen to join the chamber. She says the chamber can help them with anything to be successful, from finding the right location to getting permits and licenses. In Oshawa, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Nicole Fisher. Many businesses and services were forced to close during the summer months of 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But one recreational sport experienced its busiest season in years. Andrew Clark has more on how golf courses survived and what this season could bring. Golf has been one of the few industries to see an increase in customers during the COVID-19 pandemic. In the past, many courses have opened in mid-April. However, due to the pandemic, the season didn't start until May 16th last year. Despite the month late start, courses across Canada saw a significant increase in total rounds played. Normally, for us, we open in the middle of April. Yeah. So the season was shortened, but the, the volume was up 30%. Although the number of golf rounds increased, many other services were cancelled. Lichty says Bay of Quinney kept its fine dining restaurant, 19, closed the entire season. So it, it was def detrimental to our, um, our food sales mm -hmm. uh, because we couldn't have indoor dining and, uh, and basically we had to re readjust our entire business model to more of a, just a casual food offering. Ryan Corner is the clubhouse manager at Watson's Gun Golf Course in Pickering. With the 2021 golf season fast approaching, Corner expects the course to be sold out every day, all summer long. With many restrictions likely to remain in place this summer, Lichty believes it is important to offer as many opportunities as possible for people to do something and socialize. In golf, we'll have a role to play in that. In Belleville, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Andrew Clark. And now, to the weather. I'm Taylor Gilbert with the weather. Temperatures are rising, but it looks like we'll be seeing a mix of sun and cloud after that beautiful weekend we just had. It's likely we'll see some rain showers throughout the week on Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, with chances of rain on Thursday and Saturday as well. The week begins with a high of 10 and should hover around that point throughout the week. So get outside today and Tuesday because we may be stuck indoors for a little bit longer. And if you're anything like me, you've already seen everything on Netflix. Twice. Aiden. Earlier in the show, 
we met Cullen Smith of Enactus DC and 3Hive. In big news, Enactus DC placed first in the regional finals on Friday, and now they're off to the national competition. Here's their award-winning presentation on 3Hive. What if every time you left your house for work, your commute got longer and more complicated? How would you feed your family if grocery stores continued to close one after another? When would the barriers for survival become simply too great? These aren't just human problems, they're bee problems. And what if they're the same thing? Bees and other pollinators are critical to the health of our ecosystems and our global food production. The problem? Drastic population decline from a combination of habitat loss, disease, climate change, and exposure to pesticides. Bee species, like the rusty patch bumblebee that we all remember seeing as children, has had a population decline of 87% and hasn't been seen in Ontario since 2009. This is just one small example of a much larger trend of pollinator population decline. Currently, 850 million people suffer from a lack of food globally. That staggeringly high number will only surge when the world population hits 9 billion by 2050. Losing one of the world's key forms of pollination is simply not an option. So how do we help? My name is Cullen Smith. We are Enactus Durham College, and this is Project 3Hive. 3Hive is an environmentally mindful apparel brand. Our intention is to generate awareness and educate and empower people to support habitat restoration in their own backyard and across their communities. Why? Because we care. Each of these strategic pillars has unique engagement opportunities that together create a lasting positive impact for both humans and bees. Here's how we do it. One, our line of fashionable streetwear acts as a conversation starter. This allows people to become bee advocates, spreading awareness and igniting curiosity. This year, 3Hive doubled our sales through our e-commerce platform, serving over 250 customers across Canada. But that's not all. This year, one goal was to reduce our project's environmental footprint. We localized production and we switched our printing methods, reducing overall waste while supporting local business. Two, the conversation goes social. Our social platforms serve as an educational hub around all things bees, from their importance in the ecosystem and the economy to the increasing threats they face and what that means for future generations. Three, change is more than talk. 3Hive introduces customers to actionable habitat restoration strategies. Every 3Hive product comes with a seed paper tag. This eco paper is made from post-consumer materials and contains a native wildflower seed blend. Each tag empowers our customers to grow their own impact. Each tag can grow as many as 50 wildflowers, which become part of a collective effort. The impact is both perceivable and tangible, and so simple. Why a tag? Replacing the standard clothing tag with a seed paper alternative not only supports habitat restoration, but reduces unnecessary product waste 
that has long-term environmental implications. Bees are the most important player in our global ecosystem, so 3Hive is going international this year. Supported by the Jean Sauvé Global Project Accelerator, we have started an amazing collaboration with the National University of Galway in Ireland to amplify our bee-based initiatives around the world. Here at home, we are now a key partner with the City of Oshawa to support its National Bee City Initiative. That aims to encourage the growth of pollinators and urban beekeeping. We're supporting their marketing efforts, impact metrics, and developing educational materials for a population of over 400,000 people. Igniting curiosity, empowering customers, and collectively restoring bee habitats. This year, 3Hive has doubled sales revenue with our e-commerce platform and collectively added more than 12,000 wildflowers to the community. Educated over 30,000 people with our social hubs and developed two ongoing partnerships, locally and internationally. 3Hive is an environmentally mindful solution because bee problems are human problems. Why? Because we care. We are Anactus Durham College, and this is Project 3Hive. Publications around the world are beginning to think about diversity and inclusion when it comes to reporting. This year, the Chronicle has compiled a diversity report of its own that has given some students a chance to reflect and ask some questions of people in the industry. Mustafa Aziz and Karen Deep Singh Oberoi sat down with a classmate to talk about it. So guys, tell me a little bit about this diversity report you've been working on. Absolutely, Andrew. So we've collected all the stories that were published by second year journalism students in the Chronicle from September of 2020 till date. Right. And then we categorize them according to the story treatment. So you know how uh, we have hard news, but we also have features that are more long form and uh, reviews uh, and things like that. So we made them into separate categories. We separate the stories into different categories, such as sports, campus, community, and entertainment, just to name a few. Okay, so uh, let's hear some of the stats you guys collected. Yeah, so some of these stats we've collected are pretty astonishing. There were a total of 18 writers in semester three and semester four. And as a group, we've written 125,000 plus words. And we've written 220 stories, which were published in the Chronicle out of which 66 were community-based, 41 were campus-based, and 32 were sports-based, just to name a few. And Andrew, as you are well aware, these are good numbers, especially considering the pandemic and the fact that we were all scattered across like we are right now uh, between Sudbury, Belleville, and Oshawa. So these are good numbers. Yeah, but we found some stats that were really thought-provoking. Right, and it's a bit uncomfortable to hear at first, which is out of 220 stories, only two stories covered uh, issues about indigenous people. And likewise, two out of 220 stories covered issues of LGBTQ+. And only 20 to 25 stories fall into the category of women's representation. Wow, that's definitely surprising. Uh, Why do you think the Chronicle had so few stories about those topics? Um, I can answer that, Mustafa. Well, I mean, there are several reasons, but the one that's the most important is that we are a student newspaper and we are not a publication with uh, typical editorial control. Exactly. So let's say the next batch of uh, Chronicle students, uh, there's 15 students and 10 of them are really interested in covering sports and only two are passionate about crime stories. Well, 
the journalism faculty cannot stop students from chasing only sports stories that they are passionate about especially you know when grades are involved uh, because this is after all an academic endeavor and not an actual newspaper karan also had another uh, idea of why there may be less indigenous stories this year yeah so if if we compare the number of stories we've written about indigenous issues this semester or this year they have been considerably considerably less than last year and that that is to blame on the pandemic because of the pandemic we've had to cancel a lot of in person events that used to happen in the cfc building which were related to indigenous events and what basically happened here is we were not able to cover them even though the events turned into virtual events we, it did not get as much reporting and with with such events when we were there in person we were able to get leads for future stories as well which did not happen this time so that's one of the reasons why we do not have a lot of indigenous stories and i mean in order to understand this report better we shared this data with shona moore from the office of student diversity inclusion and transitions and it was a fascinating uh, conversation and she shed light on some of the main obstacles journalism students face when it comes to being diverse in their reporting well to start off is the circle that we are all in you know andrew we all have circles and many a times our circles reflect who we are who we look like what we think so she talked about the importance of expanding our circle the second issue is a language you see as as writers we are very careful about the words we choose and sometimes the fear of offending someone with the wrong pronoun or the wrong adjective or the wrong descriptor it becomes so stressful for some students that they decide it's better to stick to what i know rather than risk offending someone and mustafa that is exactly something that was echoed by manjula sabaraja the host at she's a host at cbc and she's also a grad of our own program exactly uh, when me and karan talked to her she said this is not a problem that only student journalists have even she after a storied career at cbc says that everyone makes mistakes so the key is to tell the interviewee that listen i i'm coming to this from an from a place of not knowing much so feel free to correct me i might make a mistake but i would love to learn and that that allows the interviewee and the interviewer to have a more uh, conducive relationship rather than being adversarial and fighting about the smallest misstep mm-hmm. okay and were shawn and manjula surprised with the findings of the diversity report yes but no uh, what is that supposed to mean okay so both of them were initially really surprised by the lack of diversity in our reporting especially when it comes to stories about people of color indigenous communities and lgbtq2s plus issues however the more they explored the report the more they understood that such findings are typical for a student newspaper right uh, one of the main reasons uh, manjula cited for this and it was echoed by others that we talked to as well is the time constraints that students have at dc in fact she jokingly told us that she thought things were more hectic for her at the chronicle than they are at the cbc and she also mentioned that more college newspapers need to prepare such diversity reports to know where they stand and where they need to put in the work absolutely okay so where do you think chronicle should prove um for starters shauna like really like the idea of a workshop for future journalism students 
So this workshop will basically train them in terms of the correct language and behavior to use when writing about diverse issues or when interviewing someone who is either a person of color or belongs to a indigenous community, etc. Yes, and also, if anything, this report by Karan and I uh, is meant to be a help for future students at DC so that they can identify areas where there is a lack of reporting. And seeing this list might motivate them to cover stories, which, as Shauna Moore put it so well, uh, make them uncomfortable initially, but turn out to benefit everyone in the long run. Right. So just be comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. Okay. Well, I want to thank you, Karen and Mustafa. And uh, let's hope this is the first of many diversity reports that journalism students at DC will prepare over the years. Thank you for joining us on the Chronicle on Right Radio. This is our final show of the year. We started in class meeting each other last year. We're finishing it apart, but that doesn't change what we've been through together. We've reported from all over Ontario and even other parts of the world. India and Brazil and closer to home from Belleville, Sudbury, Hastings, Bancroft, Hampton, Brampton, Curtis, Pickering, Ajax, Whitby, and of course, Oshawa. We'd like to thank our audience for its support, especially as we learned to produce a radio and TV show in a pandemic. Thank you for glowing and growing with us. And special thanks as well to Dan McAnally and Evan Halbert at Riot Radio for supporting us and making us sound great. I'm your host, Aidan Callum McDonald, and until next time, this has been the Chronicle on Riot Radio.